Welcome back to another episode of the Hatchet's Weekly News Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, as we embark on a new semester. I'm Alec Grich. A lot has changed at GW since the coronavirus forced the community towards the virtual environment in March 2020. In that time, much has been said and debated about the feasibility of a return to a fully in-person learning environment. And in just a week, students, faculty, and staff will get their first taste of that return when classes begin on August 30th. But the road to this point has been filled with numerous challenges and considerations, particularly for the administrators tasked with making sure the return of the GW community to Foggy Bottom goes smoothly. In that spirit, here to recap what administrators have grappled with for the last 17 months leading up to this moment and what may lie ahead is Hatch's administration editor, Isha Trevetti. All right, Isha, thanks so much for being here. Of course, thanks for having me. So first, just take us through some of the main decisions that officials have made this summer and the changes to campus that were undertaken over the last year plus to kind of prepare us for a fully operational GW next week. Yeah, definitely. So um, officials have been working pretty consistently um, since last fall uh, for students to return to campus. Um, and that looks like, you know, offering opportunities for students to get vaccinated in May, um, expanding COVID-19 testing um, to include the off-campus and on-campus cohort. Um, they also, we also saw officials rolling back public health social distancing protocols and then implement them again with the mask mandate, lifting that in June and then implementing it again in late July um, with Mayor Bowser's indoor mask mandate. Um, and then we also saw officials upgrading uh, the HVAC system and uh, work to improve building air quality and limit any potential spread of the virus in indoor buildings. So even with all those changes, as far as mask mandates and the monthly COVID testing, is there still any level of concern from administrators about COVID this semester and particularly with the Delta variant spreading, um, given that this is really the first true test for them of a fully in-person campus? Yeah, my sense is that, you know, based on faculty Senate meetings, officials um, are cautiously optimistic. Um, there are protocols in place for breakthrough COVID-19 cases. They have protocols for unvaccinated people, um, like daily symptom screeners, weekly COVID tests. Officials seem to be consistently pushing students to get vaccinated if they're not already. And the number of students and faculty who are not compliant with the, the vaccine mandate right now is so small that officials are in contact with those individuals and they're working to get them compliant. Um, they said at this month's faculty senate meeting that a lot of those who aren't compliant and don't have medical or religious exemptions have likely gotten the vaccine, but have either lost their vaccine card, don't have a net ID yet, and so they can't upload their documentation. Um, they've told student, uh, professors to expect, expect some students needing to be out for two or more weeks at a time, um, just in the event of a breakthrough COVID case, quarantine purposes, things like that. Um, and classrooms have new recording technology to allow professors to record class for students who have to miss class um, for those reasons. So they're working to make sure that everyone is prepared in the event that things do take a turn for the worse. Right, so as far as the breakthrough protocols, the protocol would just be to isolate those individuals? Yeah, and um, pretty much follow the same protocols that they've been following through the past year. Mm -hmm. And you just alluded to this, but um, last we heard at the beginning of this month, the university community was nearly 90% vaccinated but that was short of the ideal mark, which would be 98 to 99% accounting for the different exemptions. So you mentioned that a lot of people are starting to get vaccinated now who were within that remaining group, but is there kind of the belief that the community will get closer to that 99% mark as moving continues? Definitely, yeah. And officials have said that they're going to continue to accept vaccine documentation uploads, even though the deadline to do so passed on August 1st. Um, and they're working on a case-by-case -case basis um, with individual professors, students, staff, to help get more people compliant and get that number up. 
And do you have any insight as far as where faculties collect heads are at so far in terms of this in-person return? You know, how are the, some of them feeling about it and some of the meetings that you've attended and among other storylines this summer, one was that officials kind of instructed faculty to not ask students or staff about their vaccination statuses. Definitely, yeah. One thing we were following uh, last summer, kind of at the height of the pandemic, when we still thought the fall 2020 semester would be hybrid, was the number of professors who wanted to opt out of teaching in person because they were given that option then. Um, back then, almost 200 professors, so about 15% of the faculty, had requested to opt out. Um, but the last we reported, we talked to professors in May, um, specifically vaccinated professors, um, said that they were excited to teach in person and they felt much safer doing so then than they did last year. Um, my sense is that professors have been experiencing a lot of burnout having to teach in, at home for the past year, teach with their families around, um, not getting to see their students. So they're really excited to come back. Great. Isha, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Next up, I'll be speaking with The Hatchet's senior news editor, Jared Wardwell. We further hashed out the student life dimension to this in-person return and looked at some of the other big headlines potentially coming your way this semester. All right, Jared, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Alec. So I'm going to be posing some similar questions to you that I asked Isha, but first from kind of the student life angle, what have we heard from students as far as their feelings towards returning to campus after all they've had to contend with in the virtual environment for so many months? Yeah, so um, the overwhelming consensus from students has been this sense of excitement, I'd say, um, this sort of desperation to get back to, you know, some sense of, of normalcy, finally dive into that quote unquote traditional college experience that people have been missing. Uh, for so long during the pandemic um, and missing from Foggy Bottom and just the areas of campus that are typically so packed. Um, but along with excitement, you know, comes a side of nervousness or anticipation as well, you know, for pretty much the first time I'd say in, in recent university memory, not one but two classes will be kicking off their first year on a college campus. So the dynamics of the social dynamics will be much different. Uh, so many students, you know, have never experienced or completely forgotten what it's like to walk down those, those packed sidewalks and Foggy Bottom, busy streets of DC, you know, um, busy hallways of GW's, you know, academic buildings, walking to class, finding your class, you know, engaging in discussion. These are all, you know, parts of um, the, co the college academics um, that completely went out the window when um, the university transferred to online learning. Um, so there could be some more nerves because of that. Um, and then I'd say the final uh, sort of takeaway that we've heard from students has been skepticism. Um, you know, the pandemic has sort of changed course over the summer, um, the Delta variant, you know, consistently elevating the number of positive COVID-19 cases, things are different, the university's mask mandate is back, um, and so students are wondering, you know, if this reopening that's, you know, drawn such great suspense from students will really, you know, carry out for the remainder of the school year, or if things will start, start scaling back closer to what they were uh, during the, the past academic year. So a lot of mix of emotions um, and a lot of people just looking to see whether this, you know, return to normal will be uh, all it's, you know, made out to be. And last, I just want to ask, looking ahead to the fall semester, and but what stories do you think will be important to keep an eye on this semester, particularly with regards to things like the presidential search and student life um, with you know, members of the community back on campus? Absolutely, yeah. So I think the presidential search will definitely be a major um, story to follow. Officials have yet to really establish any kind of a timeline on when they will establish a presidential search committee, um, which is typically composed of a variety of university community members, students, administrators, faculty, trustees. Um, when they will select the search firm is also unknown. Um, the search firm would, you know, advise the search committee. It would help identify candidates. 
So you still don't really know, you know, when candidates could be identified and when, you know, the presidential search profile of, you know, which candidates they're looking for is released. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye out for this fall. Um, another major story that we're, we're waiting for updates on is uh, that relating to the Colonials moniker. Um, so the university formed a special committee last summer uh, to consider the possibility of renaming the university's Colonials moniker. And uh, President LeBlanc said back in January that he expected a decision on the name to be made by the end of this past academic year. No decision has been made yet, uh, and that decision is still pending. So we'll need to wait and see on, on when, what the timeline's like for that announcement and when that announcement could come out. Um, thirdly, I'd say the diversity audit um, that's been recently commissioned is another sort of question mark right now. Um, so this audit was the, the first of its kind commissioned uh, by the university uh, earlier this year. So, you know, the, the target was to have um, recommendations from a variety of firms presented to officials by uh, the end of this past spring. Um, so Brian Blake, who is one of the, the top officials sort of overseeing um, that process, he ended up leaving his position this summer to become president of uh, Georgia State University. Um, and since then, you know, the audit's progress has sort of remained unclear. Um, Chris Bracey, who's the interim provost, said at a faculty senate meeting that he had a bit of a different plan for the audit, which was interesting. Um, he mentioned that he requested and received um, a diversity effort review process, was how he put it, um, in which two audits instead of one would have their firms taken by the university and sort of combined to come up with a new plan um, for the reforms that they'd implement after. Um, so how that plays out still remains to be seen. And then finally, I'd say, um, you know, student life is, is probably the biggest uh, story to follow and, and how the COVID-19 pandemic um, spread of the Delta variant um, COVID-19 policy really intersects with the students who are really hoping for a return to normalcy this semester. Um, you know, it is uh, the university's bicentennial um, so this October, it'll be the first time when we have commencement, uh, first time since 2019. If you walk through campus, you'll see um, banners lining the streets of these like prominent alumni who are supposed to return, be recognized by the university. You have Senator Elizabeth Warren's set to speak at the commencement. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci set to be honored. Um, whether or not this all actually happens, um, could also be, you know, a question mark depending on if the pandemic changes. Um, so just, you know, everything that the pandemic can can alter um, is just another thing to see if uh, plans stay where they are right now. Jared, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Alec. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Sarah Sachs. 